Welcome to training from Scott Ross Online. Scott Ross is a highly sought after and internationally acclaimed personal development and leadership coach who speaks to more than 50,000 people a year. The same strategies he's taught top executives are available to you through programs like this one. We encourage you to take notes and listen to this audio multiple times for maximum results. And now, here's Scott. Thanks, everybody, for coming back to the Scott Ross Leadership Podcast. This is episode number 108. You're going to be able to find this episode online at scottrossonline.com slash 108. That's the number 108. And uh, you can also find the archives of all of the previous episodes there as well. If you're not a subscriber, please subscribe. There's a way to subscribe easily on the website for any device that you may have. Of course, you can get there through iTunes and that sort of thing. But if you have a an Android device or some other device. If you have one of the new Google phones, you can figure out how to subscribe because we have the instructions very easily laid out there on scottrossonline.com. I am really excited about our guest today. You're going to be inspired and have a lot of takeaways, I think, from this conversation. So be sure to listen to this multiple times and take some notes. My guest is a young entrepreneur named Sarah Olson. And Sarah Olson is a mom and a wife and also also an entrepreneur. And she, several years ago, was thrust into the midst of a set of circumstances that has challenged her in every area of her life. And she has had a remarkable attitude in response to that and has actually turned the circumstances that she's been put in into what we think is going to become an amazing victory, an amazing testimony, and something that's going to bless a ton of people. So uh, lock in. Uh, We're going to have her tell you her story. And then, um, you know, we've got a lot of lessons that we can learn as leaders from this story. So with that said, Sarah, thanks a lot for being our guest today. We're really honored to have you. And uh, I know you're super busy with everything you've got going on. You're changing the world out there. We're just trying to raise up some leaders. So thanks for taking a minute with us. Yeah, Scott. Thank you. Gosh, what a what an honor and a privilege it is to be speaking with you. My goodness, I I have so much respect uh, in so many ways for you. So th- thank you for having me on today. I'm. It means a lot to me that you would take uh, interest in my story and you would want to interview me today. But my, you know, I'm a mom, like you said. I'm a mom. I'm from Minnesota, and I have three kids. But the reason I'm on today is because of my middle son Levi. Levi was born with spina bifida, and usually when you have a child with spina bifida, it's one of those things where you find out in utero, and we didn't. Uh, he, he was born, and I put my hand on his back, and in spina bifida, there's a bubble that forms over the defect in their spine, and I felt that bubble on his back, and I was like, what in the world is that? And the doctors were like, what is what? And so they moved my hand, and they saw it, and... The whole room became crazy frenzy. Um, no idea that this was going to be happening. And, you know, for the next several days, it was so many unanswered questions. We had no idea what to expect, had no idea that this was coming. And so we were learning as fast as we possibly could all about spina bifida. And on his eighth day, he had a spine surgery to repair everything that had happened, where the the defect is where you the spinal cord doesn't develop fully. And so everything from that defect down is affected. A lot of children with spina bifida aren't able to walk. They have no sensation in their legs. They have bladder and bowel issues. So it's kind of a 
you know, it's a, it was a shocking reality to face um, in such a short amount of time. Um, you know, over the next four years, we had a lot of lot of issues with Levi. We've spent a lot of time in the hospital. Um, but the thing about Levi is if he walked into a room that you were in, you would look at him and you'd have no idea. He's such a high-functioning um, spina bifida child. You know, they told us that there is the potential that he might not be able to walk, and he walks. He's such a determined little guy, and, uh, you know, it's, it's such an honor to be his mom. <laughs> um, he inspires me and challenges me every single day in my attitude and just how I face life. But in 2016, is kind of when when things got real. Um, in January of 2016, Levi had to have a Metrofenoff and an ACE surgery. And they're basically surgeries to have access to his bladder and his bowel because he doesn't have the same sensations that the rest of us do. And pretty routine surgery for a spina bifida child. And, you know, they're, they're normally in the hospital for about five days and they go home and you've got a new way of life of, of cathing and irrigating a bowel. Uh, so it went well, the surgery went well, but after surgery, because of the devices that they had, Levi had a lot of infection, had a ridiculous amount of pain. And the pain that he deals with is called bladder spasms. And if you've ever had bladder spasms, you will know. But if you have not, they equate it to the kind of pain that a woman experiences in labor, in the very end of labor. And watching my three-year-old at that time go through that kind of pain was horrifying. Um, so Sarah, let me just let me just interrupt you real quick and just ask you a quick question because uh, you know you skipped over a little bit there and uh, I appreciate you trying to be brief, but I just want to make sure we get a real clear picture of what's going on. So at the point in 2016 when he had the surgery that you're referring to, how many surgeries had he had at that point in his life? At that point, he had had six surgeries and he was three years old. Wow. And so, you know, if you just had to guess, I know you probably don't know, but if you had to guess how many days or weeks or whatever he had spent in a hospital in those three years, what do you think that, what do you think that number would have looked oh like? Oh my, um, well, com combination of everything, probably a couple months. Wow. Um, you know, not, not necessarily back to back, but you know, he had a spine surgery, he had other bladder and bowel surgeries. And, uh, this was kind of a, what, what else do we do? What, how else can we help my son? Cause he's, he's struggling, he's suffering. And the, uh, the surgeries that he had had up until that point, he was the youngest child ever to had, had received, have received those surgeries in the hospital that we were, um, having surgeries in. So mm. yeah, he spent a lot of time. He was, he's gone through a ton. And by the age of three, he probably had seen more doctors than most adults had in their entire life and a lot of surgery. So wow. he, he's, he's a trooper. <laughs> Okay, well, so sorry to interrupt you. I just wanted to make sure we got a real clear picture of, you know, the kind of life that you guys have been living, struggling with this problem so far. Okay, go back and uh, pick up from there. So the, the pain that he's dealing with as a mom, obviously excruciating for you to watch him endure. <sighs> Yeah, you know, I remember one of these nights that we were in the hospital after the surgery, and it was one of those times where the doctors were like, you know, you better call your husband down here because we're not, not sure how this is going to end. Um, didn't know why it was causing the kind of pain that it was, but holding, holding your little three-year-old's lifeless and pain body for hours and hours and hours on end, it'll do something to you as a mom. You know, like, 
I, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast have children and to see your child just have the flu is heartbreaking. It's, it's not something you'd, you'd always take the pain away from your child. And in this situation, I had, I, I had never dealt with the kind of emotions that it would, that it brought on to see my child in that much pain. I mean, I can't, I had children myself, obviously, and I know what it's like to have contractions that intense and to know that that is what was happening in my three-year-old. And he, he doesn't have a reason why he doesn't understand it. He doesn't know why his body works the way that does or doesn't work the way that it's supposed to. And so, um, it was horrible. And from, from that surgery forward, fast forward six months, in the first six months of that year, he had had another six surgeries. So you asked me about the first three years of his life, he had had six surgeries. And in six months, he had another six. And so it got to the point, it was April, and I looked at his doctor and said, listen, my son has lost so much weight. He is lifeless. The personality has left him. He is worn out, at, and he had just turned four at that point. I said, can we give the poor kid a break? Is there any way, is it, is it going to be detrimental to him if we give him a two- or three-month break just to be a four-year-old, just to experience life a little bit and not be in constant pain from some of the devices that were the only available device to heal from a surgery like the one that he was going through. So so let me pause you right there real quick because you bring up a device. So after these surgeries, there's a device that's required that that facilitates the healing process. Is that right? Yeah. And 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 that device, if I understand right from our kind of prep time, that device creates a lot of pain in and of itself. Is that accurately stated? I mean, talk us through that a little bit. Yeah. So the device that's out there right now um, is what was causing the bladder spasms. And there was nothing else. There's nothing else to, um, while, while a child is healing from this particular surgery, it's the only device that allows a, a bladder to drain while everything is healing. Because Levi isn't able to to go to the bathroom like we can. He can't, it ha, it ha, something has to drain his bladder for him. And so it's the only device that does that while everything is healing inside of his body. And that device is what was causing the bladder spasms in Levi. Got it. So you ask your doctor, hey, can we get let the kid be a kid? And what's his response from there? You know, at this point, my doctor was just as frustrated and he was in tears with me. And I, you know, his doctor is one of the, the top urologists in the entire state. And he was even frustrated and, you know, out of ideas at that point. We had tried everything. And so he's like, yes, please, let's do it. Let's give the, let's give the kid a break. I think that he will be okay. Um, for whatever reason, um, with, with spina bifida, things can change. As a child grows, it's, it's their spinal cord and it's nerves. And so things can shut off and turn back on again. So up until this point, Levi had no function of his bladder. Like it wouldn't, it, he wasn't able to feel when he was able to go himself. And I believe by the grace of God in this moment, when I had asked for a break, something in Levi's body, whether he grew or whether it was, you know, what I believe to be God, um, that turned on all of a sudden he looked at me one day and he said, mama, I can feel it. And 
I had, how in the world do you respond to something like that? It doesn't make sense. There's no reason why it should have happened that way. But for the three months that my doctor said, yeah, let's give the kid a break because he's going through so much pain and so many surgeries, all of a sudden sensation turned on and he was able to feel when he was able to go to the bathroom. Now it didn't all work the way that it was supposed to, but for those three months, it wouldn't have able to have, like he wouldn't have been able to have that break if he wasn't able to feel, and all of a sudden he was able to feel. <laughs> so uh, miracle, miracle in, in Levi's life for those three months. And he, you know, it was good. It was good to see his smile again and see his personality come out and, um, you know, be able to live life a little bit for, for the three months that he had. In those three months, though, um, we knew that we had to continue the process of trying to solve the issues in Levi's body. And so another surgery was required. And I sat down with his urologist one day in July and I said, listen, what are we going to do? Cause uh, we, we cannot place this device in Levi again. We just can't, we can't do it. <laughs> I, I won't, I, I can't stand by it and watch what else is there. And, um, I had done a lot of research and I, and I said, if anyone's going to know, it's going to be you. What else do we do? And he said, Sarah, what we need for Levi doesn't exist. And um, we got to do it. We have to use the device. He needs this surgery. We have to open a passageway into his bladder to be able to drain it. Um, and uh, if we need something, he jokingly said as he walked out the door, he said, if we need something, you're going to have to invent it. Um I don't think, I don't think he thought that day that I was going to take him seriously, but when you've seen what I've seen and you've held your child screaming in pain day after day and night after night, something snapped in me and I said, okay, if what my child needs is for me to invent a device, an alternative to device as to what's already out there, then mama's going to invent something. <laughs> and so I did. Um, this was July, and his surgery was scheduled for August 22nd, so I had just over a month to think of an idea, to create a prototype, to run it by him, and see if it would work. And one day, the idea just came to me. It just dawned on me. And again, I, I believe this. The idea was given to me as a gift because... He needed it, and uh, little did I know there's lots of kids that need it. And so I I went to work. I worked with a couple people to give them my idea, and I said, what do I got to do? I got to print a prototype. I got to figure out how to create a prototype that I can use for Levi's surgery. And um, a friend of mine that I was working with at the time was like, hey, I know an engineer. And we, we went on to YouTube and figured out how to create CAD designs for a 3D printer and... Um, this, this friend of ours luckily did this for me. He printed out a prototype and I, I received it in the mail and I took it to my doctor one day and I said, check this out. Do you think this is going to work? I think this is going to work. And, um, I think he was, I, I think he was thrown off a bit when I walked in with a prototype and he's like, well, sure, let me, let me look at it. And, uh, he tested it out right there and, and the doctor in the, in his office and, it worked. <laughs> uh, lo and behold, it worked. And he, he freaked out. He was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I cannot believe you came up with this. I can't believe that it works. He's like, we need to get this patented as fast as we possibly can so that we can use it for Levi's surgery. He's like, I need this device to be protected and to make sure that it's, it's gonna, gonna work out to be able to use it and have, you know, everything be, 
um, kosher to be able to use it in the hospital. And so I did. I worked with a, a patent developer and we developed as much as we possibly could. And on August, let's see, it was August 19th, we filed for a patent. And on August 22nd was Levi's surgery. And we used the device. And what, what took him two and a half weeks in the hospital in January took, he had the exact kind of surgery in August that he had in January. And what took him two and a half weeks in January took him one observation night in the hospital in August and he went home and he didn't have any bladder spasms. And, um, you know, at that point I was like, man, mission accomplished. My kid is okay. Um, I, I, I did it. I, I solved the problem for my son and, and then, you know, I'm a part of a lot of groups, a lot of spina bifida parent support groups, and I was seeing and hearing a lot of people that have the same problem, and my my original goal was to help my son, and all of a sudden, after his surgery, my goal changed, and I was like, how in the world do I get this in hospitals where other people can use it? And so, from that point forward, we've I've been working with and networking a lot with people to figure out how to get this done. And since then, I've, you know, super long story short from August till now, but I've, um, I've started working with a management team, uh, who has the same vision and mission to help people. Um, and I'm, I'm so excited. I'm so excited to be working with these guys. They've, they've come up with a complete route to market. We're going to be starting clinical trials. Um, we're, we need FDA approval. And, uh, I've talked to a lot of doctors that have said, you know, If we can get this done, this has the potential to change the way that we treat children with spina bifida. And that's a big deal to me. You know, if, if you have a child with special needs or any chronic issues and they deal with pain a lot, to be able to solve that problem and be able to have the potential to maybe help children, not only in the United States, but all over the world. And you know what? One of our, one of our first focuses is going to be Latin America, third world countries, uh, emerging countries that don't have access to doctors like we do. Um, you know, we're, we, we are so privileged to be able to, ah, say my, my kid needs help and go to a hospital, go to an emergency room where they can be treated. And not everywhere has, has that luxury. And, um, my device or my, my invention, um, my invention has the potential to help kids deal with infection and pain all over the world. And I, I'm so happy. I'm so excited about that. My, my, uh, the, the difference between me and, and everybody else that comes up with any invention for the medical community is that I'm, I'm, I'm a mom. <laughs> I don't have any background in engineering. I'm not a developer. I, I don't work for a massive company. I think there's a, a uniqueness to my story where, you know, I, uh, I, I just did it because my son needed help and sure. I wasn't going to watch it. I wasn't going to watch it happen any longer. Mama was going to fix it. So I did. I love it. I love it. So I want to talk about, uh, you know, ways that we can, uh, you know, be a part of this story moving forward. But I just I have to ask you, you know, we're we got a lot of people on the line that are, you know, in their own struggles of one kind or another. And I'm just curious, you know, I mean, what do you think some of the some of the biggest lessons you've learned through this process have been? Oh, that's a great question. And there's so many, there's so many. When I discovered, um, you know, the problem that Levi was dealing with, 
I, you know, I was talking to a lot of nurses and doctors and other people that have children with spina bifida, and I found that this has been a massive problem for other people. And I, I watched a lot of people complain about it. I watched a lot of people talk about it and, and be frustrated and be, you know, cry a lot of, a lot of painful nights over it. And I was like, you know what, if, if, if we've got a problem here, let's solve it. And, and, you know, I think, I think this is, this is, made me more of a person that's going to take action when I run into an obstacle are you either you can either sit and complain about it and um you know feel sorry for yourself because this is not something I I chose it's something that was given to me Levi was given to me and I see that as an opportunity to to do something, to do something bigger, to do something that's going to affect a lot of people. And so you can either sit around and, and complain and feel sorry for yourself, or you can do something about it. You can get up and you can do something about it. And I didn't, I didn't have the background. I didn't know what I was doing, but you just start with one step. You just do something. You talk to somebody, you come up with an idea. Um, you just start moving forward. And there's, there's something that, that Levi has taught me more than anything else in my life, and that is to expect obstacles. It's to expect that things are going to come your way and to choose today how you're going to respond when it comes. You know, some people would think that it's negative to think about all the things that could happen, but I think of it as a positive because I can say, if if this happens, if this is what's going to come, if I'm going to run into an obstacle, if there's going to be something that I don't know how to solve... I, I, this is, I can choose today that I'm going to say, nope, I'm going to get there. And I'm, I'm mentally prepared. I'm focused to overcome that obstacle and not give in to the easier route, which is to feel sorry for myself. Cause you know, I, I look back at the last four years of Levi's life and I said, there's a lot of reasons and a lot of places I could have felt sorry for myself, but you know, with the, and, and Levi, even he could have felt sorry for himself and he doesn't, he doesn't feel sorry for himself. He fights like crazy. And as a four-year-old watching as a parent, watch my four-year-old fight through that kind of pain. Who am I? <laughs> who am I to sit and complain about the obstacles that we've run into? And so when we got to that obstacle, I was like, okay, I can either sit around like so many others have, or I can do something about this and not only change the path of my son's life, but change the path of every child that has spina bifida in the entire world. And not just spina bifida, it's, it's going to help a lot of people with other um, conditions. And so um, just, just the persistence and determination and to be able to sit here and think how, choose now how I'm going to react when obstacles come. Cause they are going to come. It is inevitable. We live in a life or live in a world that is fallen. We live in a world that, uh, not everything is perfect. Amen. And to expect perfection is, is to set yourself up for failure. And so how now, how choose now how I'm going to react. I love it. Well, you know, I know that, you know, I'm inspired by the fact that you didn't let all the things you're not hold you back. I mean, I think that in in my life and in all of our lives, we have these voices in our head that say, you know, who do you think you are to do X, Y or Z? You know, you don't have that skill set. You don't have that background here. We're not just talking about engineering anything. We're talking about engineering something in the medical field, which is even, you know, it's like double level of intimidation for the average person to think about what do you think it was was it just the was it the you know when you're backed 
into a corner, like you said, moms just figure it out. I mean, what, what, what was it in your mind that allowed you to just not even see the, what you're not part and just do that? Maybe we could kind of adopt some of that into our own lives. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can't tell you how many people have looked at me and said, you shouldn't do this. There's a reason, Scott. There's a reason that, you know, a lot of people aren't inventors. It's difficult. Oh, my word, it's difficult, especially in the medical field, because it has to be safe. You know, you 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 invent something that's going to be used on a child, and it has to be safe, and there's a lot of things that have to happen. And, you know, it's like I said, not a lot of moms are able to to do what I've done because it takes a ridiculous amount of resources. But, you know, I... Uh, I'm different in the fact that because I've, you know, I've invented things, but there's also m- massive companies that in- have invented medical devices. The, the thing that makes us different is that I, I have sat in, in the hospital room. I am the one that holds my child at night when he's screaming. I have heard the other kids in the other hospital rooms as I walk down the halls screaming in pain because they don't have what they need. And, um, you know, when you sit in a lab and you create something, how cool, first of all, to be able to do something like that, but it makes it different when you're sitting in a hospital room and you're looking at the face of a child who says, help me. And you can't, that breaks something in you. And it drives you to do something beyond what you think you're capable of doing or what other people think I'm capable of doing. There've been so many people that have come to me and said, Sarah, you're in over your head. And I said, go ahead, continue to tell me that. But the faces that I've seen and the cries that I've heard are much more important to me than the people that have said you can't do it. Um, that's something that will, you know, may, maybe it's a bit of, of, of drive that I have inherently, but at the same time, I, uh, you know, what isn't worth it? What isn't worth it? I, my, my child is worth it, and so is every other child. They're, they are worth it. And just because not everybody deals with children with spina bifida, there's, there's always, I think there's something in every single one of us that want to make a difference, that want to, you know, be a help to somebody who, who isn't helped. (laughs) And, uh, I, I'm, I am driven beyond the people that say that I can't do it. I'm, I'm not an engineer, but I'm a mama bear on a mission. And (laughs) I don't think there's any more powerful force in the world than a mama bear on a mission. (laughs) Yeah. All you got to do is see the revenant. And you'll know that's true. So, yeah, true. (laughs) Well, you know, one thing that occurs to me, and I mean, uh, tell me if you disagree, but I can't help but think uh, about the fact that you have been an entrepreneur before getting involved in this struggle and in this fight. And that as an entrepreneur, you just are, you think differently, you you expand yourself and you learn to overcome obstacles in in a unique way from being an employee. And, you know, a lot of the people listening here are, are new on their entrepreneurial journey, or there's a bunch of people who want to take the leap to be an entrepreneur, but they're just a little bit afraid of doing that. And I'm just curious, you know, if you could talk about a couple things, one, you know, how much did the fact that you owned your time and you didn't have to go into a job every day, how much did that facilitate your ability to walk this path and then actually end up with this amazing blessing that's going to affect so many people? And and then B, you know, maybe just talk about some of the mindset you were able to bring in from your, you know, personal growth and development from being an entrepreneur that's also helped you. 
Yeah. Wow. That's, that's such a huge point to make because, you know, if I, if I would have had a job, if I would have had to check in and check out every single day at a job, I would not have been able to do this. A hundred percent. I wouldn't have been able to do this because I, oh, I have sat in so many hospital rooms where there's kids and babies crying everywhere and nurses have walked in and said, Hey, it's going to be a while till we can be back, but you're the only parent that's able to be here tonight. Why? Because other parents have to work. It's not because they don't love their children. It's because they are trying to work to keep the health insurance that they have in their, because of their jobs. And to not have to be tied down to that reality has been a... Oh. I can't imagine. I cannot imagine. I have so much respect for the parents that have to have a child with a, a chronic illness and not be able to be there all the time. I can't imagine how heartbreaking, but to be able to, to be able to be there every single day, to be able to know exactly what's going on. I have a lot of knowledge just because I'm always there. I'm always able to be there. And, you know, when I, when I decided I wanted to be an entrepreneur back when I was 23 years old, I was looking at my opportunity that I had in front of me. I was like, you know, it's either I go with this and I, and I say I'm all in and, um, and do whatever I can to learn the right way of how to do this. Or I continue on the path that I am, which is more comfortable. You know, it's comfortable to, to do what you know and to be in a situation that's, you know, every, all of my friends had jobs. It's not fun or easy to be the odd man out all the time. But I was like, you know what? This is my life and there's, I, you get one shot here, one shot to either make a difference or to live your life the way that you want to. And I didn't want to get to the end of my life and be like, Darn it. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. I shoulda done something else. I want to, you know, I have all these goals and, and we all do. We all have goals. And I think that they're so stifled over time because we always hear the word no or that you can't do something. And, you know, it has to be a decision. And then once you make that decision, all other options are cut off. And I was like, if I'm going to go down this path of being an entrepreneur, I'm going to be all in and I'm going to go for it. I'm not just going to, you know, treat it like a hobby and see if it works because it's not about if it works. It's about if I work and if I become the person that I'm supposed to be and if I do the things that I'm supposed to do and I work it like a business and I work it like my life depends on it because that's what I, that's what I believed. I believed that my life depended on it, not life or death, but life as in, am I going to live my life to the way that it was intended to be lived and to be able to make the difference that I want to be able to make. And, uh, you know, the self-development that I've gotten and the, and, and the fact that I had already been through as an entrepreneur, it's a bumpy road. It's ups and downs. It's a roller coaster constantly. And when you're on a high, it feels really great. But then the next day you crash down and, the fact that I had been through a lot of those circumstances of crashing down and getting back up again and saying, you know what? Believe in yourself one more time. One more time. Let's do this. And, uh, you know, that, that helped. <laughs> that helped a lot, a lot in, in my, in my journey with Levi to be able to crash down with him and say, nope, what else are we going to do? There's other options. There's always a way. If there's a will, there's a way. Wow. And, uh, just never, never giving up. That's not an option in my world. You don't give up you figure out a way because there's always a way. 
Well, I just think it's remarkable that, you know, you make a decision at 23 having no idea that in your future is going to be everything that's happened with Levi. And yet that decision back then facilitated everything happening now. And I just think for everybody that's out there listening, you know, what decisions are you making today that's setting you up for the future that might lay ahead? Because a lot of people are playing just for today, to stay safe today, to stay comfortable today. And meanwhile, the amount of discomfort that could cause down the road because you've positioned yourself in a really precarious place uh, is untold. It's immeasurable. So, well, Sarah, um, you've been amazing. I am so inspired. I'm glad you did most of the talking because I was, you know, my allergies are acting up over here on this side, just so you know, throughout your story. Um, I uh, just wanted to... um, you know, I know that you're in the in the process of, you know, in this journey where, you know, there is an opportunity for people to support you and to partner with you. And, you know, maybe just talk about some things practically that any of us can do and how can we get more information um, on connecting with you? Yeah, thanks for asking about that. I am, um, you know, because I, I, I'm not a massive medical device company. I am I don't want to say just a mom, but in this case, I'm just a mom. I don't have the resources to get this, you know, done. So I need a lot. I need help. (laughs) I do. I do need a lot of help. And a lot of that help comes financially. Uh, It takes hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions, to get a project like this done. And it's daunting. Um, It's nerve wracking. It's a massive risk. And um, I'm not going to lie. I'm it's scary at times, uh, how to, how to get this done, how it's going to happen. I don't know. Um, but I'm treating that like I, I've treated everything else that if you don't take the first step, how you'll ever know. And I'm trusting that, um, that it's going to be done. It's going to get done and that the finances will come from somewhere. I don't know how right now, but it will. I'm, I'm not worried about it, but, um, you know, to get more information, if you, if you go on Facebook and find the Lex project, um, that's me, that's my story. And I give updates all the time about where I'm at in the process and, and what we're doing to continue the work that we're doing. Um, if I have a you caring site as well, it's youcaring.com slash Lex, L-E-C-S, um, so youcaring.com slash Lex. That's where, that's where I've gotten donations so far and kind of how I've been, um, fundraising for this up until now. Um, it's about to get real though. It's about to get really, really real because a couple thousand dollars is, is, has been amazing and humbling and I'm, Oh my goodness. Every penny that's given has gone straight back to my project. It's a hundred percent been able to fund where, um, everything up until where I am now. But, um, I, I'm, I'm going to need a lot more now. And it's, it's, I'm so determined to make it safe and to make it work the right way for kids. Um, so, so the, the financial piece of this is a huge need. Um, you know, share, share my story. If you go on Facebook, that's a huge thing. Cause the more we can get it out there, the more people, um, there are to help, you know, it takes a lot of, a lot of people. It takes a team, it takes, takes, uh, a, a lot of people on the same mission. And it's not necessarily, like I said, not everybody deals with spina bifida, but it takes a lot of people who care about people who care about making a difference in the world to get something like this done. Um, so you can share my story, look up my story, donate. If it's a, if it's a possibility, I, um, I don't know if it's okay to throw out numbers, but in the next nine weeks, I need to raise 
$50,000. I need to do that. And like I said, I have no idea. I don't know how it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. I believe it with all my heart. And, um, we'll get it done. It's, I'm going to finish the race that I started. It's not a question of if it's just a matter of when. And, um, you know, I've had such amazing people to work with and people that have supported me and believed in me, even though I've got a lot of people that don't, I've got a lot of people that do, and I'm hanging on to those, those few that, that, uh, stand behind me. And, you know, I've had a lot of prayers. I've had a lot of encouragement and I've had a lot of people back me financially, but it's, um, that's where we're headed right now is, is fundraising and getting this done. Awesome. Well, guys, listen, I'm going to have links to everything she just talked about in the show notes. If you go to scottrossonline.com slash 108, scottrossonline.com slash 108, you're going to get to the show notes. I'll have the links to her Facebook uh, page. I'll have links to her Caring Bridge page, and we'll put any other information out there that we can get to you. And, you know, uh, we're a very, very successful and, you know, generous group of listeners right here. And so, you know, my challenge to the Scott Ross leadership community is is to, you know, let's go knock out the $50,000 just amongst these people. And then she can be on to other bigger, better things because there are, you know, over 2000 kids a year born with spina bifida right here in the United States alone. That doesn't account for the global numbers. And of course that's year after year after year. Uh, and so many of these kids are suffering in ways that we cannot fathom. And, uh, you know, we've got an opportunity right now to make a massive impact for eternity. So, uh, Sarah, I really, really appreciate you being on the show. You're so inspiring. Uh, God bless you. We're praying for you. And uh, I'm with you. I know this is going to happen. And I think it's a lesson for all of us. You know, you, you don't, the, the how is none of our business. The how isn't our business. The why is our business and the decision to start, to, to start taking the journey. That's our business. And God works out the how. And I'm 